chapter 34. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only take care of themselves. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat the curds, clothe yourselves with the wool, and slaughter the choice animals, but you do not take care of the flock. You have not strengthened the weak, or healed the sick, or bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays, or searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered, because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. My sheep wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. They were scattered over the whole earth, and no one searched or looked for them. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, declares the Sovereign Lord, because my flock lacks a shepherd, and so has been plundered, and has become food for all the wild animals. And because my shepherds did not search for my flock, but cared for themselves rather than for my flock, therefore, O oh shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against the shepherds, and will hold them accountable for my flock. I will remove them from tending the flock, so that the shepherds can no longer feed themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths, and it will no longer be food for them. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so will I look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. I will bring them out from the nations, and gather them from the countries, and I will bring them into their own land. I will pasture them on the mountains of Israel, in the ravines, and in all the settlements in the land. I will tend them in a good pasture, and the mountain heights of Israel will be their grazing land. There they will lie down in good grazing land, and there they will feed in a rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I myself will tend my sheep and have them lie down, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak, but the sleek and the strong I will destroy. I will shepherd the flock with justice. As for you, my flock. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I will judge between one sheep and another, and between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture? Must you also trample the rest of your pasture with your feet? Is it not enough for you to drink clear water? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Must my flock feed on what you have trampled? and drink what you have muddied with your feet? Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says to them. See, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Because you shove 
with flank and shoulder, butting all the weak sheep with your horns until you have driven them away, I will save my flock and they will no longer be plundered. I will judge between one sheep and another. I will place over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will tend them. He will tend them and be their shepherd. I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be prince among them. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will make a covenant of peace with them and rid the land of wild beasts so that they may live in the desert and sleep in the forests in safety. I will bless them and the places surrounding my hill. I will send down showers in season. There will be showers of blessing. The trees of the field will yield their fruit and the ground will yield its crops. The people will be secure in their land. They will know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and rescue them from the hands of those who enslaved them. They will no longer be plundered by the nations, nor will wild animals devour them. They will live in safety, and no one will make them afraid. I will provide for them a land renowned for its crops, and they will no longer be victims of famine in the land or bear the scorn of the nations. Then they will know that I, the Lord their God, am with them, and that they, the house of Israel, are my people, declares the Sovereign Lord. You, my sheep, the sheep of my pasture, are people, and I am your God, declares the Sovereign Lord. Okay, welcome everybody, and we're into the Gospel series. And now when I say the Gospel, that should immediately churn up in your mind, yeah, immediately in your mind should come the definition that Jesus Christ has given to what the gospel is. Uh, any blank minds out there? <laughs> yeah, the gospel, according to Jesus Christ, is his earthly coming kingdom and our inheritance in that kingdom. So we've got to be very clear when we talk about the gospel. We're not talking about a Bible verse, right? So last week we started to see that the full revelation of the false prophets, yeah, that's the subject that we're in right now, the full revelation of the false prophets is actually going to take place on the day of Jesus Christ's return, isn't it? The day of the resurrection, the day of the gathering of those who belong to him, those who have died in him and those who are getting raised by him in the resurrection. And those who are alive and who belong to him are going to get gathered together. So these false prophets that Jesus was specifically talking about in Matthew 7, yeah, because that's where we are, that's the context of where we are, yeah, is Matthew 7. They're clearly only going to be revealed when he himself has been revealed. Yeah? Because we often talk about you'll know them by their fruits. Well, we clearly saw that last week. No, we're not. We're not going to know them by their fruits. Those specifically spoken about by Jesus Christ are going to be revealed when he is revealed. Yeah? And remember we saw them shouting outside the gate of the kingdom, Hey, I should be getting in here. Mm-hmm. And he said, No, you're not. They then start throwing all their fruit at him, yeah? And he says, no, you are not coming in because I don't know you. I don't know the direction you came in. So we're following on from that today. Because we know the revelation of these false prophets are going to be determined by him. Remember, the worker said to him, oh, we'll we go out and weed them out because they're growing up alongside us in the church with the wheat, with the true, with the true wheat. Will I go and weed them out? And he said, no. 
I will tell the angels at the end of the age who they are. So you ain't going to figure it out, and I ain't going to figure it out. Yeah? They're so close to the line. We're going to see it again today when we get into the scriptures. I've got in your notes there that we have to be clear on what the context of this whole section is depicting as being the false, as being those who come to the gate of the kingdom and it's depicted that they expect to get in. They're thinking, and remember that word as we go through today, thinking that they have done what it takes to get in. And they haven't. According to the gatekeeper, remember, Jesus Christ, the gatekeeper, he's determining who gets in, not you and I, not our theology, not our church pastor, not our theologians of the world. He determines it. So we better figure out what the criteria that he has set in the scriptures is to get in. It's not you holding your hand up in a meeting. It's not you giving your heart to Jesus. Right? Which is what is depicted in so much of the church today. And we saw it, didn't we? I think these are in your notes. They they, they, these ones shout. Now, these are, we're talking here about those outside of the kingdom shouting across or over the shut gate of the kingdom because they're already shut out. There's no way they're getting in. Why? We should be asking ourselves, why is that? We saw it last week. They have a whole pile of evidence that they're with Jesus. Remember that? Three times in one verse, they said, in your name, Jesus, we've done all this. Yeah? So they're expecting to get in. But they don't. Why don't they? And I've noted it in your notes there. They came an easy route. Didn't they? They came an easy route. They came a wide route. Does it ring any bells for any of us when we listen to Christian doctrine today? Oh, Jesus, he's easy. Well, he ain't. <laughs> According to him, he's not easy. And we better start figuring out what he's saying, not what our church doctrines are, not what your local pastor's shouting at you. But what is he saying? He says it's not easy. So if you're finding it easy, there's a chance a really huge chance you're going to be one of those shouting outside of the gate. Isn't that right? It's logical. They came an easy route which involved no striving. No agony. Do you know that's going to be really popular if you do that? <laughs> They're going to get many people wanting that. And that's exactly what he depicts in Matthew 7. That there's going to be a few who are going to come the narrow gate. And they came a route where they were taught by the false prophets that the changes that we've been seeing over weeks now, remember we read from chapter 5, verse 1, because we've got to take this in its context. We've got to understand what Jesus was saying as to what needs to happen in an individual's life in order to get through that narrow gate. It's not going to be easy. So again, ask yourself the question, am I finding it easy? Because if you are, again, you're going to be Probably one of those shouting outside of the gate, hold on, I did all this in your name, Jesus. Yeah, he said, and we're going to see in a minute. He said, yeah, you may have done it in my name, but you didn't come in the direction. You didn't come in the direction with which I said you had to come. This is huge. And the direction they came is depicted as not being important. Whereas it's all important to him. It's all important. Because he said to them, I don't know you. You may have flung all this stuff in my face as to what you've done in my name, but I don't know you. Why, don't they, why didn't they know them? Because they came in a different direction. They didn't come the narrow gate. 
They didn't strive. They didn't agonize. You see that? So clear in the scripture when you allow your theology to get out of it, out of the picture, and you take his words as being the truth of which they are. But you notice the route they did come. <laughs> the, routes, the route they came would impress every one of us. They cast out devil spirits in his name. They did mighty miracles and healings in his name. They were not slow. And they were prophesying in his name. Yeah. So you and I looking at them, we're saying, wow, I'm going to join that church. Burst open that door. I'm, I'm a member. I'm staying in here for good because they're doing it all in his name. You see how sharp we've got to be in looking and focusing on the words of Jesus Christ, not the works of people shouting out his name. His name being shouted out by these people are not important. We're seeing what's important. The direction that he depicted that we had to come. Yeah. So those who made it into the kingdom did the very opposite, didn't they? They came in the right direction. That is depicted, by the way, right here in the scriptures. But they supersede their theology over the words of Jesus Christ. Why? It's easy. <laughs> it's easier. Now, if I give you a difficult thing to do and I give you an easy thing to do, all of us are going to jump on the easy thing. But he doesn't want us doing that. He wants, we're going to see it in a minute, but he wants us to change. And that's not easy. So if you're the same you were 10 years ago when you met, quote, met Jesus, you've got to be asking yourself some questions, don't you? Because he demands change. The gospel demands a changed life. We're going to see the first verse we go into here, that you and I are not going to inherit into the kingdom unless we change. Yeah? So if you're not changing, the chances are you're going to be, Hello Lord, I'm outside here, outside the gate. Yeah, you are, and you're staying there. Yeah? There's nothing you can do now, it's too late. I gave you the time of preparation. Do you remember the wise virgins and the foolish virgins? We've got to do it now. We're going to see that today. So these people figured out on the right side, who are inside, they figured out his words. His words were more important than the false prophets who were depicting, no, it's not difficult, congregation. It's easy. Just do a verse. Do Romans 10, 9 and 10. Come, you know, make Jesus Lord in your life. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. And you're in. You're in the kingdom. No, you're not. If the words of the Lord are right, and they are, you are not. Because you're coming in the wrong direction. He said it will be hard. He said it will be striving. But it's not what we want to hear so often. So those who make it into the earth, earthly kingdom, the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ, are those who follow a hard and a narrow route. Do you get it? Yeah? Which does involve striving. It does involve agony. Isn't that mouth-watering for all of us? <laughs> yeah? We don't want that. But it's what we're going to have to do if we're going to follow Jesus Christ. So those inside have come along a route which is opposite to what the false prophets are teaching. A route that involves changing your life. You understand that? It involves changing your life. In other words, no one can stay the same yeah, and make it into the kingdom. That's a really easy criteria for you, isn't it? And for me. If I can look back on my life, yeah, and it's virtually the same as it was when I came to Jesus Christ and understood it and was redeemed, there's something wrong. There's something so wrong. But it's not what we want to hear, is it? 
Look at Matthew 18.1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked. They were always asking questions, weren't they? (laughs) Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? What a fantastic question. Who's going to be the greatest Jesus in that kingdom, earthly kingdom, when you come back and you rule and reign on the earth? He called a little child. Hey, you, over here. Yeah, he called a little child and had him stand among them and he said, I tell you the truth. So what we're going to hear here is guaranteed 100% pure vanilla truth. Not necessarily what you hear from pulpits taught, but what we're going to hear here is the truth. Understand? So you can trust it. You can put your life on it. You can put your church doctrine on it. So many, so few do. Yeah? But we can do that. Because he's telling us the truth. Unless you change. Well, the first words when he said after truth. Unless you change. Now he's talking to the disciples who had to some extent changed, hadn't they? They were following him. They were faithful. They, they left everything. And he's still telling them unless you change. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never, did you hear that? You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Let me tell you something. You will never, I will never enter that kingdom unless we do what Jesus Christ said right there. Change! Change? What change? What do I have to do to change? We've been reading it for weeks. If you haven't heard the sessions before this, you need to do that. To figure out what he depicted as the changes that we had to make to enter through the narrow gate. We can't suck this out of its context and start, start telling people what they need to do and what they don't need to do. He tells us in the scripture what we need to do. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's so easy to understand because he made it clear to us. But if we can't see it, it's often because, one, God hasn't opened our eyes to it. Secondly, the false prophets have such an influence over our lives because they're shouting from outside the kingdom, it is easy. You don't need to change. You just need to come to the front of the altar, pick up your Bible, sit down and come here regularly. We don't need that. We don't need people turning up regularly. We need them changing regularly. Amen. Yeah? All of us need to be changing regularly. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child, humility, meekness, that's what he's talking about here in the context. Humility, meekness, like this child, is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So the disciples got their answer, didn't they? You've got to be like this child. You've got to humble yourself. You've got to start to unlearn, maybe, some of the stuff that you've been taught by the false prophets and come to me. And come and make the changes in the direction which I depicted in the scriptures. So guess what? You and I won't inherit the kingdom without change. Mark that in your Bible. Because it's really, really important. Because he's told us up front, hold on, if you're going to be great, if you're going to inherit the kingdom, you are going to have to change. So you've got no excuse when you come before him and you say, okay, I'm ready to get in now, Jesus. Oh, hold on a minute. You haven't changed. I told you to change. I told you Matthew 18. It might even quote the verse. (laughs) Yeah. told you Matthew 18 you needed to change. And you didn't do it. You're outside the kingdom. Now we're not going to get into it this week. We probably will next week. What that actually means. For some people it doesn't mean a whole lot. But in the scriptures it's absolutely horrific. 
to be outside the kingdom. We're going to see it. Because Christianity preaches this doctrine that everybody's in. We're all in the club. We're all believing in Jesus. We're all the body of Christ. We're all okay. No, you ain't. (laughs) Because he's depicted in the scriptures. You ain't. And we're going to see it next week. So clear in scripture. What happens to the redeemed who refuse to do what Jesus said? And it's horrific. It's not something any of us want to have. Yeah? But most of them, because of the false prophets, because of those teaching false doctrine, think it's going to be okay. They're going to go to heaven when they die. They're going to get a big rosy welcome into the glory. Yeah? With all the angels and there's going to be a big party. He's coming with a big smiley t-shirt on. No, he ain't. He's coming in judgment and there's no smiley t-shirt on. There's the wrath of God is coming. Do you remember that? In the scripture, it clearly depicts the wrath of God is coming. But it's also coming to the redeemed. Mm-hmm. We're going to see that. Not this week. Because what he's, what's he saying to them? Hold on. No, I don't know the direction that you're coming. Mm-hmm. Now, did they have a whole pile of works? Did they have a whole pile of mighty works that most of us never see in our lives? Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. But it didn't mean anything to Jesus Christ. Why? Because they did it all in his name. They're shouting Jesus. They've got their hands up in the meetings. Got the Bibles under their arms. They're shouting hallelujah. We love you. And he's saying, I don't know you. I don't know you. Because you didn't do what I said. You may thought you were doing it. And that is a huge thing. People are thinking that they're doing it in the name of Jesus. But it's not. Because he depicts it as being a different direction to come. So don't put any weight on what you think. Don't put any weight on what I think. Mm-hmm. Don't put any weight on what your church thinks. Yeah, right. This is the truth. The scriptures and what Jesus Christ say is the truth. Amen. The twisting of scripture and the twisting of theology has watered this down. Mm-hmm. That basically now it's a wide gate. Yeah. It's easy to get in. There's no striving for you. Hey, you don't even need to change. Mm-hmm. We just want you to come in. That's a different message to what we're reading here, isn't yeah. it? Absolutely different message. So, those who make it into the kingdom are those who have changed. Do you see how simple this is to understand? (laughs) You don't need a degree in theology to read English. Those who make it into the kingdom are those who have changed. Now, that sounds really easy, doesn't it? But it's hard! (laughs) Because he told us it's hard. Yeah, We're going to have to strive to do it. To forgive one another is tough. Especially when he tells you that those who persecute you, those who hate you, you have got to love and forgive. Try that for a week. Even try for a day. And then you get people saying, oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Fantastic. And once I get round to it, I'll do that. In other words, yeah, this change, I'll bring about this change after I've lived my life a certain length of time. And yeah, maybe when I get to you know, 40, I'm over the hill by then. Or 50. Don't push that. Yeah, on the way down. Yeah. Then I'll start changing. No, no, no. Because, you know why? Because you're not guaranteed the next breath. We might be giving you the kiss of life by the end of the service. That's how much guaranteed we have. I pray to God I don't have to do that to some of you. <laughs> yeah. But you see, I'll get around to it. You ever hear, did you ever hear that guy? He kept hearing this so much. Oh, once I get around to it, I, I, I'll, I'll do that. Oh, come to your church? Yeah, I'll come to it once I get around to it. He started making round to it. Because he thought, people, if I can get people to get around to it, they'll, they'll do whatever I ask them. Mm-hmm. So he started actually manufacturing round to it. 
He made a fortune. He they would say, oh, I want to get around to it. There you go. I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> oh, get around to it. There you go. People procrastinate, don't they? They think, oh yeah, I'll get to it tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, I'll get faithful to Jesus Christ tomorrow. Mm. The unwise virgins were in that club. And guess where they were shouting from? Outside the kingdom. Today is the day. We're reading about change here. Most of us are putting it off till Monday. Don't. Don't put it off. Why? Because you're not guaranteed to Monday. And then when he does come back, the next thing you know is you're in the kingdom or you're not. It's not a debating society when, you get, when he comes back. Do you understand that? He's not going to go through every sin that you've done and the reason that you had behind for doing it. Forget it. Forget it. It ain't going to happen. Because this happens in an indivisible moment of time. I'm never going to get through this teaching today. <laughs> so we saw the last time we were together, didn't we? Jesus clearly telling us the horrendous influence of false teachers that will be on... The influence, by the way, is on the redeemed. We so often look at the world, those outside of the church, and think, oh yes, yeah, Satan's really at work there. He is not. For the most part, he's at work in the redeemed. We saw it last week. Yeah. He's, he's been sown into Jesus Christ's field in the redeemed. So his firm, his firm focus is on the redeemed because the redeemed can head for the inheritance. Mm-hmm. And if he can stop them getting their inheritance, that's his focus. Mm-hmm. So you and I shouldn't be too bothered about what's going on in the world. We should be so firmly focused on what's going on in the church. Because that's where he is. Mm-hmm. That's where Satan is. How is he in there? Through false prophets. That's the reason Jesus Christ, in this context, the first thing he says, after he says there's going to be few people making it, it's because of these guys. Mm-hmm. He didn't say, oh, it's because of the occult. It's because of the way the world government systems are. It's because of uh, McDonald's. And you know, they're taking over the world. <laughs> that he did. He's firmly in the church. Yeah, he's growing up inside, alongside us. And let me tell you something. You cannot tell them apart. And neither can I. That's, good. That's how closely they are aligned they are to the gospel. They are so close to the gospel, you can't see daylight through them. You, they are so close to the gospel, you can't blow air through them. You understand? So don't waste your time trying to reach these false prophets or understand these false prophets that Jesus Christ was specifically talking about in Matthew. But, listen to this now, <laughs> there are plenty that we can figure out. That doesn't mean we bury our head in the sand now, in the proverbial sand, and think, oh, well, you know, Jesus is going to reveal them anyways. No, they're, they're depicted in Scripture. You and I have got to get wise to them. But there's certain ones that we won't be able to reveal. And these are the ones he was specifically talking about that they, he, will, he will reveal at the end of the age. So, I want us to focus on some of the characteristics in the scriptures of these false prophets we can figure out, right? Because there's some of them we can figure out. And we're going to see some of the depictions in scripture about what the characteristics of. The, the subtitle today is The Anatomy of False Prophets. God expects us not to bury our head in the sand, not to say, okay, so they're going to be revealed at the end of the age. He'll take care of them. Yes, he will. But there's certain ones we've still got to be aware of. The Apostle Paul was aware of them. And we have got to be aware of them. And we see that in the scriptures. And that's what we're going to do today. And, you know, there's a real quick check, by the way. Yeah? If you want to figure out who a false prophet is. They're saying the opposite to what Jesus Christ said. Mm -hmm. That's a real quick equation for you. So they're saying it's easy. 
Because he said it was what? Hard. Hard. Yeah. It didn't take a rocket scientist to figure that out. Yeah? That they're false. That they're saying something opposite to what the Lord said. They're saying opposite to what the Apostle Paul said. They're saying, do a verse. He's saying, no, don't do a verse. Do the whole verse. Do the whole context of what I'm telling you to do in your life and walk in faith. No, don't listen to these guys who are saying, take a step of faith and you're in. You understand? So some of these things are so fundamental for us to understand as we go to the scriptures. We've got to figure this stuff out. Why? Because it's revealed in the scriptures for us to do. We've got to figure it out. And we're going to see that when we get into some of Paul's epistles here. If your venture into the scriptures is this hour on a Sunday morning, yeah? If this is the extent of you getting your head into the scriptures, you are history when these guys turn up. You understand? Because these guys do virtually nothing else but twist the scripture day in, day out. So your little jaunt to church for an hour ain't going to do it. I'm telling you that up front because when it hits your life, you'll wonder why you are history. <laughs> yeah? And let me tell you something. It's a guarantee if you continue in the doctrine of the kingdom truths of Jesus Christ, these religious false prophets are going to hit your life. That's an absolute guarantee. How can I guarantee that? Because Jesus did. Look at the next verse. Because we saw these false prophets are really difficult to unearth, aren't they? Mm -hmm. And the majority of them will be so difficult to distinguish from the true. But look at Matthew 10, 16. Behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He's talking to the disciples here. He's sending them out to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And you're going to be like sheep. Get that picture? going to be like a little lamb and I'm setting you out into the middle of a pack of wolves. That doesn't, the odds are against them. Yeah? Aren't they? Unless they're tapped into the shepherd, the odds are they're going to get ravished by these wolves. So be as wise as serpents. Look at that. And innocent as doves. I love that. Doesn't mean be an idiot. and Bury your head in the sand and don't try and figure out who these wolves are. And look at this next part now. It's really significant. Beware of men. Beware of who? Beware of men. For they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. Who are we talking about? We're talking about the redeemed of Israel. We're going to take them into their synagogues and kill them. It's not very loving, is it? But that's what's coming up. Because we are a sheep in among the wolves and these guys are going to turn up. If your life depicts proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, remember we said that at the beginning, what that is, it's this coming earthly kingdom and our probable inheritance in that kingdom, they are going to come along and they're going to try and trick us, they're going to try and twist the scripture and they're going to be the the ones who persecute us. Because did you read that? In their synagogues. Yeah. Now, you and I don't normally get dragged into synagogue because we live in Vancouver. Put whatever name you like on that. Put whatever denomination you want on that. Yeah, it's coming. But do you see what Jesus warned them about? He's warning them about the redeemed, those who have been redeemed by God, who are going to kill them. The Apostle Paul did that. Before he, when he was called Saul, when he was, he was a murderer of the Christians. But he was redeemed. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He'd been redeemed by God, but he was still the murderer of the Christians. He was the hitman. Yeah. He was the bounty hunter. Maybe he didn't have the hair, but 
He was the bounty hunter. Look at Matthew 7, 15. Beware of false prophets who come to you. Do you see it's coming to you? Who are they coming to? They're coming to the sheep. They're coming to those proclaiming the kingdom in sheep's clothing. Yeah. So what do we see? We see the sheep's clothing. But inwardly are ravenous wolves. So they're false prophets. They're proclaiming themselves to be from God, but they're false. So these ravenous wolves have been depicted by Jesus as false prophets who are out for themselves. Do you see that? They're lying in their own pockets. Remember the guy I spoke to the last time we were together? He was a false prophet. He was on the TV lying in his own pockets, taking from the poor of the redeemed, driving about in his Porsche, living in his two and a half million dollar home, building this massive 23 million dollar business. And he's just one we can see. Never mind the ones we can't see. Now, We'll see that as we go to other sections of scripture which proclaim some of the characteristics of these false prophets. And that's what we're going to be doing. And you may be asking now, we're in a a series here called the gospel. What the heck are we doing talking about false prophets for? Surely we should be talking about Jesus and the gospel. He talked about them in the context of the coming kingdom, which is the gospel. Yeah, that's why we're in it. So we can understand why it's going to be a few because of the influence of these false prophets who are teaching the opposite to what he taught. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.11. Paul, by revelation here, in 2 Corinthians 2.11 tells us, so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. You will read this in the context, but so that we would not be outwitted by Satan. Is that available? I said it earlier. If your extent of getting into the scriptures in early Sunday morning, you are guaranteed to be outwitted by Satan. Why? Because you'll never know when he turns up. Because remember, we're looking at sheep's clothing. You've got to look beyond sometimes the sheep's clothing. You've got to look at the end result of these people's teaching. And it will not be the same end result of Christ's teaching. Because they're teaching it's easy, they're teaching you don't need to change, and there's no agony involved. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his designs. How, how are you not ignorant of Satan? He's a spiritual being, and we're going to see it hopefully if we get to the end of this today, that he is an absolutely powerful spiritual being that we have to be so aware of. New Living Translation says, so that Satan will not outsmart us. And believe me, that's what he's out to do. For we are familiar with his evil schemes. If I gave you a blank bit of paper right now, and a pen, and I ask you, write down for me the top ten evil schemes of Satan. What would your sheet look like? I would get some of these sheets coming back to me blank. Or a lot of guesswork on it. Yeah? You don't guess with Satan. You get back into the scriptures. You understand how he operates. And one of the greatest ways he operates has been revealed by Jesus Christ. I'm not getting here because, you know, we want to cuddle. And, <laughs> and, and, and a kiss and a cookie. Do you know what I mean? That's a serious stuff. Because we see at the end of the age... People shouting outside the kingdom, I want to get in Jesus. And he's saying, no you can't. Your outcome for this is totally different to those who are in the kingdom. We'll see it next week. Yeah. So we've got to learn some of his methods, don't we? And we learn some of his methods by going to the scriptures. Yeah. So let's never underestimate the power of Satan. And when you hear some Christians talking... They so often underestimate the power of Satan. They think, oh, I can knock the hell out of Satan. Oh, yeah? (laughs) They need to read the book of Revelation. (laughs) They need to, you need to think about that, right? 
Because we saw some of the redeemed recently, didn't we? Throwing out the works, casting out devil spirits in his name. So they did that. Understand? That was not in the mind of Jesus Christ an entrance into the kingdom. Oh, you did that? Fantastic. You knocked the hell out of Satan and you come. No. He said, no. Because of the way you came, it doesn't make any difference. Nor these mighty miracles that you're shouting about, nor all this prophecy that you were shouting at people, doesn't make any difference to me. You came the wrong way. So we better figure out the right way. Yeah? Because if you read Revelation 27, Satan at one point, after 1,000 year reign of Jesus Christ here on earth, after 1,000 years of that reign, which continues, by the way, doesn't stop at 1,000 years, Satan will be released for a short time. And you know what he does? He deceives the whole world. Now that's after. The kingdom, that's, that's during and after 1,000 years. Again, this kingdom is still going on. Jesus Christ is, is on the throne. Those who are ruling and uh, reigning with him are ruling and reigning with him. Uh, but God lets him out of, of that pit for a short time. Now what's that to uh, an eternal God? <laughs> I don't know. What's a short time to an eternal God? But whatever time that is, because it does not depict it, he deceives the whole world. And you thinking that you're going to beat the hell out of this guy, you're kidding yourself on. It takes the archangel Michael to take this guy to task. Yeah? So we've got to be firmly focused on what the scripture says. Yeah? And by the way, we are in that kingdom, in our imperishable bodies, yet to become immortal bodies. But we're in that kingdom. If we're deemed to be worthy to be in that kingdom, yeah, following the judgment seat of Christ, we are with Christ when all of this is going on. Get that mind picture in your head. That's scary. So he's deceiving the whole world while Jesus is reigning, while we, if we are deemed to be in that kingdom, are reigning with him. It's huge. It really is. So, be aware that Satan is no pushover. Yeah? It takes, as I say, though, all the power of God to bring him to task. But how do you think we should do that? How, could, how can we become aware of Satan's schemes? We've got to get our head into the scripture, which reveals who he is. Jesus is doing it right here. Hold on, they're going to come in sheep's clothing. Because that's who he's talking about. He's talking about those false prophets who are influenced by Satan, who are the weeds who are growing up alongside us, have been sown into his field. Yeah, He is going to turn up as a religious person in life. You understand? And you're going to see it right now in Second Peter chapter 2. Because we're going to explore in the scriptures where God reveals some of these false prophets turning up that we can see, that we can understand. Yeah, And get this right, they're among us. Yeah? They're in the church. They're not outside the church. Take your binoculars outside from off that stained glass window looking outside your church and stick it inside. Because that's where they are. Yeah, we're going to see it right here in Second Peter, Second Peter chapter two, verse one. But there were also but there were also false prophets among the people. That's the redeemed. Just as there will be false teachers among you talking about the leadership. They will what? Secretly. They will secretly, they're not announcing it. You understand? They're not shouting out, right, I'm going to start telling you at the beginning of my sermon a whole bunch of lies. 
that contradict what Jesus Christ said. But oh, don't just hang on. The cookies are really good at the end of the service. You'll enjoy this. Yeah. So they're going to come in secretly introducing destructive heresies. Why are they destructive? Because they're destructive because the end result of this teaching means loss. You understand? Because the people outside of the kingdom shouting, Lord, Lord, are experiencing loss. Why? Because destructive heresies has told them, it's going to be easy, guys. Hang in there. It's a wide gate. You don't need to change. Just keep coming. Keep dropping these $20 bills in the bonishing and the giving and you'll be okay. No, they won't. They won't. Even denying the sovereign Lord who brought them. Bringing swift destruction on themselves. And look at this. Many will follow. Did you catch that? Didn't say few will follow. The majority are going to follow that. Why? One of the main reasons is it's easy. (laughs) One of the main reasons is it's sheep clothing over that ravenous wolf that's telling you it's easy, that's telling you it's a wide gate, that's telling you just you doing one verse once in your life and you're okay. Many will follow their shameful ways. Because you know the end result of not changing is you continue in your shameful ways. You continue in sin, but it's okay. Jesus paid it all. You're okay. Your past sins, your present sins, your future sins are all taken care of. No, they're not. That's why we have a high priest in the holiest of holies so that we can go to him when we do fall short with a pure heart, endeavoring to walk in the light as he is the light, and we ask for forgiveness. And he will forgive us. What if you don't? That's what you're going to be asking yourself. If you don't do what Jesus said, what is the outcome? The outcome is destruction and loss. We're going to see it more clearly next week. But you notice it's in secret, guys. That's important. You do not see it creeping up on you. You're sitting in that church pew. You're hearing it all. You're taking it all in. You're not adjusting your life. You're not changing. You're not striving. You're not living a life of agony to her, trying to do what Jesus said. You're saying it's all, it's okay. The pastor said, and he's been to theological seminary. He's got doctor, right reverend, stick the title you want on it to make any difference to Jesus Christ. Yeah, he didn't say when, he, when these guys turned up, oh, you did all these mighty miracles and you've been ordained, you're a reverend, oh, in you come. No. That has absolutely no bearing on anything for anybody. Yeah. So the acceptance of what we're teaching here today means absolutely nothing. Because believe me, you will struggle to get people to accept this. Yeah. He did, didn't he? Paul did. Because we just saw it. Many will follow the destructive heresies. Look at Saint Peter 2.15. Look at this now. They wandered off the right road. What does that tell you? They were on it. They were on it. But they wandered off it. And how do you wander? Well, you take one step at a time very often. Yeah? And after 10 miles, taking one step in the wrong direction leaves you way off. Yeah? You take, if you're steering a ship and you get one degree off your course, believe me, 
after a couple of hours, you are so far off your course. But, you know, so, something, if you are doing that in a ship, you will not realise it. Why? Because the scenery stays the same. Do you understand? It's, oh, it's still ocean here, but I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm on the right track. No, you ain't. You're heading for Africa instead of Canada. See? So they wandered off the right road and following the footsteps of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. So it's a wandering, isn't it? So they're on the right road at one point, And that's how so often these people, the leadership, these false prophets are able to influence people. Because one day they're on the right road. One day they're teaching the gospel. And the next day they take a step off it. And guess what? The crowd that they've built that influence with and everybody else, follow them. Because either they're a really charismatic personality... Or because what they sound sounds so feasible because it's a twist in the scripture, they follow him regardless. Well, he can't be wrong. He's got a mega church. He can't have thousands of people following him. And Oprah likes him. Oh, and Obama likes him as well. Oh, fantastic. I'll follow him then. Here's a characteristic of a false prophet. Deuteronomy 18.22 When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord... If the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. There's an easy definition. Remember the last one I gave you. If it's the opposite of what Jesus Christ said, chances are he's a false prophet. If what he says is going to come to pass, doesn't come to pass, he's a false prophet. So what about all of these prophets that you see talking about 2012 being the end of the world? So God is telling a pagan dynasty, historically, not his prophets, a pagan dynasty, and they're going back calendar, that the world is going to end in 2012. And we've got all these false prophets in the name of Jesus Christ selling multiple and thousands of DVDs so you can watch it happening. So when 2013 turns up, they're going to have to figure out another lie to keep their prophets up. Understand? Because you can put a date in your diary for 2013. Okay? I'll meet you in 2.13. I can always guarantee that. Yeah? So let's get into Ezekiel. Because this, this section of scripture is fantastic. Ezekiel in chapter 34 is God depicting false prophets of Israel. There's some fantastic clues. Not even clues, guys. They're shouting out of the page at you. Yeah. And superimpose this on some of the people you see in the world. In the religious world. In the Christian world. When you see this. And we might not get through it, but... We probably will. Ezekiel 34, verse 1. Now, at the beginning of the audio teaching, I'm going to put this chapter on there. Yeah, so you can hear this guy speaking. He's got a great voice. But I'm going to put it on Ezekiel 34. Not as great as my voice, but, you know, it's the same truth. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So that's the starting point. Yeah, He's prophesying. This is a true prophecy about the shepherds of Israel. Got it? Prophesy and say to them, even to the shepherds. He's emphasized, re-emphasized that. This is to the shepherds. We're inside the church. We're inside. We're looking on the inside. We're not looking outside. Remember I talked about earlier? Look inside. And he's saying, shepherds, shepherds, shepherds. These are the leadership within the children of Israel. Yeah? And I want to emphasize that because I want you to be looking at the leadership within the church today. Thus says the Lord God. Ah, shepherds of Israel, 
who have been feeding yourselves. You see what they were doing? They were feeding themselves. They weren't concerned about the sheep. They were feeding themselves. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? <laughs> You're feeding yourself. Should you not be feeding the sheep? Yeah. Now, do you remember back to Matthew 7, 15? Beware of false prophets. They're all about themselves. They're all about feeding themselves. They're all about having, having what they want in life. These are the same guys we are dealing with right here. Yeah, they really are. It's the same issues today. So these are some of the characteristics we're to watch out for right here. Because do you remember the, the, the guy I mentioned earlier? He's lying in his own pockets. He's filling his own business. He's doing all that great stuff for himself. But verse 3, you eat the fat. You clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat ones. But you don't feed the sheep. Now, we're going to get into... This is not somebody with sheep feed. Do you understand? This is not somebody feeding a literal sheep. What are these shepherds of Israel supposed to be feeding the children of Israel? They're supposed to be talking about the Messiah. They're supposed to be talking about the coming kingdom. They're supposed to be feeding the sheep with right doctrine, with right believing. But they were feeding themselves. They were ignoring the sheep. Now, you're superimposing this on so much of the church today. Hope you are. Because this is going on in the church. Verse 4. The weak you have not. I emphasize these have nots, by the way. The weak you have not strengthened. The sick you have not healed. The injured you have not bound up. The strayed you have not brought back. The lost you have not sought. And with force and harshness you have ruled them. They were ruling them, but they weren't feeding them. Do you see that? And they were falling short so much. That God, in one verse, puts five have-nots in there. You have not, you have not, you have not, you have not, you have not. Verse 5. So they were scattered. Why? Because there was no shepherd. See, it's the leadership. That's how Satan gets in. If he can infiltrate the leadership in the church, the sheep are taken care of. Do you remember that? When the servant came to Jesus, he said, Hold on, Jesus. There's Darnell in this field. It's your field. How did these Darnell get in? An enemy has done this. Remember that? An enemy has done this. Who's the enemy? Satan. Let's give him credit where the credit's due. It's the same thing here. That because there was no shepherds. The shepherds were the doing the have-nots. They weren't feeding the sheep and they were not looking after the sheep. And what happened then? They became food for all the wild beasts. Mm. I think of Satan and his devil, devil spirit world when I think of that. They become a feast for Satan. Yeah. But do you see where God lays the blame here? Squarely at the feet of the shepherds. Understand? That's where the blame has been pointed at. Verse 6. My sheep were scattered. They wandered over all the mountains and on every high hill. My sheep were scattered over all the face of the earth with none to search or seek for them. Now we're talking here about redeemed people. Yeah? Because you remember in Luke 19.10 Jesus, his, one of the things he said was for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He was looking at the redeemed. He was looking at those who were redeemed by God and that he was going to save and find them. Yeah? He was the shepherd, by the way. Yeah? He was the prophet. So he should know. Verse 7. 
Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey and my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts, since there was no shepherd and because my shepherds, hold on, another have not, have not searched for my sheep, but the shepherds have fed themselves and have not fed my sheep. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against the shepherds. Wow. He's against the spiritual, so-called spiritual leadership of the redeemed because they were not doing what they were supposed to be doing. And look at this next part. And I will require my sheep at their hand and put a stop to their feeding the sheep. No longer shall the shepherds feed themselves. I will. There's a day coming where he will. Do you understand? Mm -hmm. He will bring to task all of these false prophets, all of these false shepherds, will be taken to task. I will rescue my sheep from their mouths, that they may not be food for them. Now, the whole context of this, by the way, of Ezekiel, is about the resurrection. Yeah, Don't lose that. Because if you remember a while back, 36, 37, remember? Mm-hmm. Resurrection of Israel. So this is in the context of the resurrection where God is going to do all this stuff. Yeah, And we'll see that more clearly next week when we get into that there's only one earthly coming kingdom. Yeah? yeah. We all turn up. Verse 11. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I myself will. Now, I've emphasized the I wills in here. Yeah, because you're going to see it's God's going to do all this stuff in the resurrection. For thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I myself will search for my sheep and I will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among the sheep that have been scattered. So I will seek out my sheep and I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And I will bring them out from my peoples and gather them from the countries and will bring them into their own land. And I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the ravines and all the inhabited places of this country. I will feed them with good pasture. You see the I wills? I will feed them with good pasture. And on the mountain heights of Israel shall be their grazing land. For they... they there they shall lie down in good grazing land, and on rich pasture they shall feed on the mountains of Israel. I myself will be the shepherd of my sheep. I myself will make them lie down, declares the Lord God. I will seek the lost, and I will bring back the strayed, and I will bind up the injured, and I will strengthen the weak, and the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them in justice. The justice of God is coming. For these false shepherds, these false prophets that are growing up in the church, the day is coming. Verse 17, As for you, my flock, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I judge between sheep and sheep, between rams and male goats. Now if you go on to read chapter 35, do it in light of Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7 and 12. Yeah? But you go, because you've got to read some of these things in their context. And we're jumping out of that context just to briefly look at Acts 24, 15, which really is a stepping stone for us moving into next week's sharing. Having a hope in God, which these men themselves accept, that there will be a resurrection of both the just and the unjust. So what often happens is, because we're going to understand what this resurrection is all about because we're looking at false prophets we're looking at what the impact of false prophets has on us today and the impact is people end up outside of the kingdom understand and we're going to understand why that is but not just why that is but how and who has been referred to outside of the kingdom we're going to see it's the redeemed 
It's not those outside. It's not those outsiders, those sinners, those who don't know God, don't know Jesus Christ. When God here in Acts 24.15 is talking about just and unjust, he's talking about the redeemed. God is firmly focused on the redeemed. He is not focused on those outside of the church. And we saw that in the first couple of sessions of this series that we're in. Yeah? So we've got to understand why he's referred to the redeemed as just and unjust. Yeah? And we'll be seeing that next week. But how can we be sure of that? We've got to, get, we've got to be sure of what we're seeing is according to the scripture. That's exactly what we're going to do next week. Because there's only one resurrection in view in this section of scripture. When the book of Acts was written... And when Jesus Christ was on earth, and when the Apostle Paul was on earth, they only had one focus of reference. That was the Hebrew Scriptures. And in the Hebrew Scriptures, there was only ever one resurrection. And it was the resurrection spoken about in Daniel 12.2. We're going to get into it next week. And we're going to just quickly go to Titus 1.1. And then we're going to finish off here. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, Zoe Ionion, yeah, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Another translation says the same, and in verse 2 it says, on the basis of the hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised very long time ago. This promise of Ionion life in the kingdom was given long time ago. Where would they go to reference that promise? They'd have to go into the Hebrew Scriptures. They couldn't go into the book of Revelation, could they? Because they hadn't even been written. They couldn't even go into books of uh, the Apostle Paul because he hadn't written most of them. So they had to go back. And when you go back, the only place that term, that term is used in the Hebrew Scriptures of eternal life, everlasting life, is in Daniel 12.2 and we'll get into it next week. Okay, And we'll be so clear on who this is referring to in Acts 24.15 when it talks about the just, the resurrection of the just, and the resurrection of the unjust. But get this clear. It's the redeemed. It's the redeemed. There are just and unjust within the redeemed. Yeah, We saw it in Ezekiel. He's going to take some of these redeemed people to task. They were the shepherds of Israel and he's going to take them to task for what they did. Yeah. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatness of your truth today. Thank you for the greatness of your scriptures that we can go to them and understand them as true. And Father, I pray for everybody here and everybody listening that this week can be a great week of walking through and endeavouring to walk towards that narrow gate. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.